Hello and welcome. Alex Ott here, and this is the Institute of World Mission podcast, which we pray, hope, and trust is part of your cross-cultural missions experience. Today's episode stands out for at least two reasons. One is that it's last in our summer-to-summer season. We will have a break and will not be releasing weekly episodes in the next several weeks. However, we encourage you to scroll down through the list of the episodes on the IWM podcast and check out some of the episodes that you haven't listened to yet. But we'll be back though, refreshed. Together we will start a new season on August the 26th. It will be Wednesday, August the 26th. The second reason this is a special episode, it's because it's part of our Missionary Digital Tools and Security series. Our last episode, number 76, How Missionaries Can Keep Their Digital Self Secure, created quite a bit of interest. Our guest and subject matter expert on this series is Ernest Stotts. Ernest serves as security and data privacy consultant to the General Conference. He has a Master's of Science degree in Information Assurance, which is commonly referred to as data security. Ernest served four years on Guam and participated in dozens of mission trips. As you can see, our guest today merges the experience in the mission field with much knowledge and practice in data security. Now, having said all that, let's transition to the interview itself, which we title how to use social media tools in the mission field. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Ernest, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you. All right, we're doing um, a series together, and it's the second episode on missionaries and what they do online, basically on safety issues, digital safety issues. And today, we decided, you and I, we felt it would be great to talk about social media. It's a big topic. Uh, Most of us are on social media one way or another, and missionaries are too. So let's talk today about what we uh, can share with missionaries to uh, to use social media well. And my first question to you, Ernest, is this. What are the dangers? What are the dangers of social media that missionaries should be aware of? Thank you so much. And again, we want to precursor this with saying while there's, there are some dangers involved, there's still a lot of ministry potential here. And we really want to underline that this can be used for good and for God's service. So while we're going to look at some of this, we're not saying get rid of you know social media uh, or not get rid of technology. I just want to make sure people understand what we're saying here. And the second question, actually, that we will discuss will be about the benefits. So we are getting there. Now, the dangers. What are the dangers of uh, being on social media? R- right. The danger specifically that as we're dealing with them is looking at there's a very addictive nature to social media. Uh, interesting, some of the uh, recent Harvard studies said about 10% of Americans are clinically diagnosable as addicted to social media. 
um, in screen time. As a matter of fact, Apple came out with what last year with their whole screen time ability to track how much screen time people use because they realized it has become such an addictive problem. So that's one of the things people don't even realize how much time in it they're finding some of the questions a person can ask themselves is, am I feeling like I'm missing out on life? Um, it, there's a new acronym called FOMO. You know, it, it's the fear of missing out. Um, people have this, and they, it's a diagnosed condition now where they, they feel like they got to get the likes. When you ever you see somebody, you post something on Facebook and somebody likes it, there's actually a little chemical reaction in your brain. Um, and they're finding in their Google and Apple both did a studies on what they called hacking the human brain to understand the psychology. And they found all these things that they could do in Facebook, all these guys, just by turning colors, by making it red show up on your screen, on your a mobile device for when you've got messages. Then all of a sudden it's an alert. Your body reacts to that. I got to see what's going on. So they've made these to be very addictive. Um, and we'll, we can talk about later what it does, does to teenagers. It's even more dramatic on that scale. But for even adults and us older people, um, it has an addictive quality. Um, we have found people, and I've dealt with people both at work and other places, where they start spending so much time on social media that they're not being effective in their ministry or they're not being effective in their job. So this is one of the things. How much time is people spending online? Are they staying up at night to do it? These are all things to consider. Then there's the other aspect of everything that you're posting online is a way of being tracking and seeing what are you doing and building a psychological profile on yourself. There is some open source software, and I will include a link later, where you can go search and just see all of these different websites that makes it very easy for someone to build a profile on you. Most HR companies are doing it now. So when you're going for a job interview, they already know everything about you. I did one five years ago. They walked in, they told me everything I'd posted on, so or a lot of things I'd posted on social media. And that was during my job interview. Now that we know this, tell us something we don't know. And I was like, wow, you guys did your homework. And I've been finding that's just the way people are doing this now. So this is something to take into consideration. So even when you delete something, you don't know where it's been copied. So that's another one of the aspects of when you put something online, it's very hard to take it down. There is a YouTube video that talks about the five strange ways that social media and online is changing the actual physical brain. And it physically changes the chemical makeup of the brain as far as the neurons and how they're interacting and the psychological impacts. And this is done by a non-Christian organization just talking about, wow, there's some concerns here. One of the creators of Facebook is now speaking out against what he helped co-create, saying, hey, we need to take a step back and see what is this doing to our interactions and our social life. They have found that the more time you spend doing social media, more lonely people tend to feel. So it also increases loneliness. They've now got these shops um, in Europe, in the U.S., they call cuddle shops because people are feeling so isolated. So it doesn't actually increase that. I always recommend that social media is used as a way to broadcast the message, as a way to intrigue people, but then real ministry really happens face-to-face. -face. And getting the personal interaction, that's where ministry really takes root for long-term effect. So that's one of the things I like to tell people. Thank you. Thank you, Ernest. So let me just quickly recap uh, some of the dangers we're seeing in social media is the addictive nature, 
It's uh, the profiling of global scale that happens and the data that is being shared between corporations on us and governments probably. Um, information that we cannot take back. And lastly, what you mentioned is the impact on mental health that sometimes it actually makes us more lonely um, than, than we've been before. And what's interesting, like any tool, what you started with, uh, like a knife, it can be used for something good or something evil. And it seems it's the same situation here with social media. So let's let's move to the positive side. What are the benefits for missionaries for being on social media or using social media channels? Great. It, it is a way to advertise events. It is a way to get feedback from people, find out what their interests are. One of the things they have found recently with everyone at stay-at-home orders and stuff, there's been very much a shift in people's mentalities as far as they've noticed that um, suicide rates have gone up. They've noticed that domestic violence has gone up. They've noticed that actually people are searching more for Bible answers now. So all of these things are things that as missionaries we have answers to. Or we can help lead people. Oh, people are interested. They're more concerned. They're staying at home. They're having troubles with, I actually have to live with this person 24-7 instead of go to work and only see them in the evening. So what are some you know things that we can tie in and say, okay, this is our current culture and environment. How can we minister where people are today? So this is a great benefit of social media saying, hey, are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling isolated? You know, ask these kind of questions. It's a way of focusing your message and saying, well, how can we meet the needs of the people in the community? You can recruit volunteers. You can actually develop your mission and say, okay, this is where we think we're going. But as you get feedback, it actually helps you focus and say, okay, Lord, where are you leading us? So th these are some great ways to do it. You also improves your search engine ranking, which will help people find your ministry and your mission and what are you trying to reach out to. And it's also a way to get volunteers in that can help you with the mission and ministry, even remotely. So these are all just some of the benefits of social media. Very interesting. What, uh, one of the things you mentioned is that today, uh, social media is a place where people are. Like in the past, we could imagine a marketplace or a playground where all the mothers in the neighborhood with small kids are and, you know, socializing. So in a way today, um, there are so many people on social media and it's important for missionaries to be where people are so that at least at this initial level, uh, we as missionaries can begin mingling, can begin making connections and, and so forth. So there's this negative side and the positive side. And we want, with the interview today, Ernest, what we want to do, we want to minimize the negative effects and maximize the, uh, the positive effects. The next question is this, what should we as missionaries know about privacy of our data in regards to social media? How can we guard it or how can we behave to be able to uh, avoid the negatives? Great question. One of the things we can first start off is understanding that this is a public forum. And as we look at, okay, this is a public forum, meaning everything that we put out there can be rebroadcast. So what privacy information? It is recommended not to use real telephone numbers, real birth dates. Um, again, you want to obfuscate some information that could be used against you to try and track you down. I would not link to like my wife's social media accounts uh, for the most part. At Facebook, we may mention a few things together, but as far as all the other, like the Instagram stuff, I'm not going to link to these other accounts. 
I'm going to kind of keep it, especially of my children, I'm going to keep that very separate. And they're not going to have their real names on it either. So this is part of where you're trying to cite. And again, there's a difference. I want to make sure we make a distinction between personal accounts and ministry accounts. Um, it's a very important distinction. So underneath ministry, you're not so focused on privacy. Now, if you are in a contested region of the world, you probably still need to be very concerned about privacy, not leaking back to a physical address that could cause harm or put you as a target. So these are things that you want to think about. What address do you want to use? How do you want to set things up? And then the other thing is realizing how easy it is for someone to build a complete profile, psychological profile on you personally, and see what all your ministry is linked to to see where else it goes. So these are some of the things that because privacy is so transparent and the apps for the most part are free, and if they're free, they have to make money somehow, which usually means selling some data of some sort. So there are a few that are out there that are just purely because they're designed by journalists and stuff for keeping information out of government hands and free. But most of the social media apps are not that way. You know, it's um, sometimes I'm just trying to judge my own feelings uh, towards privacy. So we're discussing privacy. I'm trying to find this middle ground that would work for me so that I can use uh, a social media channel in an effective way, and uh, that which means trading personal information uh, with the public, with the public forum, with the online world um, for this benefit. So I'm asking my question, how much do I care if uh, Facebook or any other corporation knows this and this and that about me. Do I care? No, I don't care. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, check this or click here or, or, or do this. Um, and this is the search of this, of this wise middle ground. How much should we care about our privacy? Any thoughts, any recommendations on this caring for our privacy middle ground way? I would go by looking at it from a risk perspective. From a risk perspective, one of your most vulnerable pieces of information is your mobile number. Once someone has your mobile number, they can clone your mobile device and they can get your text messages, they can intercept text messages, they can send on your behalf, they can listen to your phone calls. So I'm very careful to never link a mobile device number, if at all possible, to any of my social media. I would use a Google Voice, which allows texting, Sure, they can use that number all day long. I'll use a Google Voice. So for me, I come up with, okay, what's an alternative? Um, my physical address, I try to keep relatively secure as well. So the, those are two aspects that I say, oh, these are things I want to be a little bit more careful. And of course, any government identity numbers. At the same time, I will also state that at least here in the United States, about every American social security number has been posted on the dark web somewhere. <laughs> um so they're not as secure as we, th so I don't treat them as super secure, but I try to make sure I'm not posting them online. This is high value advice. So we're talking about our mobile numbers or physical addresses as much as possible, our ID numbers. And we're not talking about kids in this episode. We are, we are actually planning a whole different episode on how to help our children uh, how to navigate them through this whole thing as they grow up. I have two teenagers. I have a 13-year-old which is asking me, can I have this or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever? And I have to give him advice and guide him. All of this in the next episode, all right? So today it's for us, the adults, the missionary parents, 
uh, how can we treat this topic in our personal lives. So these are some of the things we want to keep private and not show them around. We're also using social media to message. So the question is, what about the messaging apps? apps? How safe are they and how can we best use them to communicate? Another great question. And again, I would say that I would never consider any social media messaging app to be secure for the most part. I will give you one exception. Um, there's a program I call Sig that's called Signal. That is a messaging app that is an encrypted from end to end. It is the best one I've seen so far. I have used one other called Telegram. Um, there's a little bit of a question mark on that one um, as far as who does some controlling in the background. So, but overall, that one's also really well done. But personally, if it's anything that I want to be secure or if I'm going into a country that may be contested, I'm going to use Signal. Absolutely. So that is the only one that I have seen where nothing has come back. And so far, nothing has it was basically designed by people who are in hostile regions. And it's funded and supported by them to keep their information secure, especially journalists, etc. So that is the only messaging app, but it's not a broadcast. So, so if I'm using Twitter or I'm using Facebook, I understand that these are broadcast and they are not, there's no privacy. <laughs> so, and your information's being sold. So again, I also take a very proactive, what do I want my image or the image of my ministry to be? And I make sure that's being broadcast. Two things I do. First of all, I'm very careful who can post on my behalf. And I, I correlate and set up my messages. Secondly, I also use Google Alerts, which we talked about in the previous episode, where I can set up my name under Google Alerts and I put the name of my ministry just to track what's being said about my ministry through Twitter or Instagram. So I can track that and I can put a link to that as well if you want and share that link. We can share it out with the individuals how to do that. So those are the two methods that I do to kind of guard the privacy. All right. Now, so we spoke about privacy on social media as well in our messaging apps. And what we are uh, finding out or basically stating the obvious is that uh, there's little that can be private in those public forums. And we have to uh, remember this. If privacy is an issue, we have to be more careful if we want to use it for projecting our message, sharing what we want to share as wide as possible, then these are the places to uh, uh, to use them for that. All right. Um, another question I'd like to ask you, Ernest, this, uh, uh, this today is this. Our activities on social media represent us in the digital world. What should we consider as we contribute to our online reputation, right? So as we're building our online reputation, what are the best ways of doing this? Um, when we are building our reputation, really, I would take a step back and say, we need to start with what's our focus? What, are, what if we do not have a focus for an, a vision and a mission statement for our ministry, then we build a strategy for our mission and our ministry. And then once we have this, then we can really say, okay, in order to protect the reputation, two things should be done, in my opinion. First of all, you have to have your strategy saying, this is how we're going to approach. This is how we're going to use social media and actually have a plan <laughs> that you're going to stick to and say, this is how we're going to try and increase our ministry and our mission. 
Secondly, is having a very defined set of guidelines that will be followed by the people who are linked in a part of your ministry. I have seen this come back to bother other ministries in the past, where people were putting on their personal accounts some very political statements that were coming back and have negative impact because they also then linked back to their work, saying, not with the political statements, but other things. Oh, we're doing this great mission. Oh, we're doing this. But then they put all these political statements, and people were going, what's that mission? You know, what's that ministry? They must be horrible. So that makes an impact on your reputation. So to do that, one of the things that I have done with people in the past is I've helped them develop a social media policy for their individual users. But in order to do that, we added another step where we came up with a code of conduct. What is the code of conduct for our ministry and our mission? Amazingly enough, Google, Facebook, Coca-Cola, you name the company here in the United States, they all have code of conducts. And as an employee, you agree to those code of conducts or you don't have a job. That includes your personal post. I just dealt with an organization south of where I live recently that had to let somebody go because they were putting very flaming, you know, political statements on their stuff that had a negative impact on the business. And they said, sorry, you just cost us two customers. We're getting rid of you and letting them know that this is what we've done because that's not our stance. So understanding the impact of even personal posts and making sure we separate business ministry from personal accounts, but also making sure that people have a code of conduct that they need to realize that this is a public form. One will get linked with the other, most likely. Fascinating. Um, let me recap, because what you just said is very important for um, many, if not most, if not all Adventist missionaries. We are serving the church. We're serving the different organizations around the globe. And we may not have realized, at least some of us, that what we post on our personal accounts may be very well linked with uh, how we represent our organizations. And some of us are leading these organizations and may not have thought of the need to have guidelines and code of conduct for social media and how our employees, other missionaries and team members are using this. We may have thought about it, but not really got into this. And Ernest, I understand you also have an advisory role to different uh, Adventist organizations, including the General Conference on a lot of these kind of issues. Can you share a little bit more of your ministry? If anyone will want to contact you for this kind of consulting, of course, we understand that this is your living and, you know, this uh, may have a cost associated with it. But if people will want to contact you, that they can, if you can share a little bit more. Thank you for your question. Network Paladin was designed to be a ministry to other ministries. So one of the things I spent a lot of time in prayer and focus was actually coming up with my, my vision and mission statement. Let me just read them to you. Um, we, are we dedicate ourselves as a living sacrifice. Jesus, may we be used to further your work. Help us with achieve our mission to protect the personal and organizational information of your people by encouraging, training, supporting, guiding, and mentoring. Give us a holy vision to encourage and support the spread of the gospel. Equip us for your service by grace, sanctified in truth, assured in the eternal redemption that Jesus has earned. And may your word be honored, your people protected, and help us build friendships that deepen with your love. May disciples be nurtured, protected, encouraged, and may we make an impact on the nations of the world. That's kind of the core focus for my ministry. So when you go to look at my social media posts, most of my media posts are about keeping people safe online. 
or whether it's social media, whether it's mobile devices, sometimes they're very technical. I have a lot of really technical people following me, but a lot of times I put stuff for what my wife calls normal human beings. So how do you secure your cell phone? How do you do this? What about your children? So the whole goal behind everything that I'm using to broadcast out messages, I'm typically just providing tips, resources, and if people want to contact me and see, you know, and do some, have me do some work, I'm happy to do so. But again, this goes back to having a very focused mission, strategy, and vision. And that's what Network Paladin, my, my personal company, is all about. So and that's I act as a consulting role for the General Conference and other divisions and other independent ministries for the Adventist Church and other hospitals and other organizations as well. But it all comes back to the same focus. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Excellent. And in the show notes, we will share uh, some of your social media channels, right? Where people can follow you, can contact you, and uh, in this way, continue that conversation with you. We have a major question, and we want to spend the last uh, seven, eight, ten minutes here on that particular question. And this is how it goes. How can social networks be used as a safe ministry tool? How can they be used in our ministry? We've touched here and there, but if you can take us through your line of thinking, how can they be useful for ministry? First of all, as we talked about before, you have to have a strategy. What are you going to use them for? Understand if they don't have a purpose. Also, it's a terminology used in technical layman's terms. Less is more. And that is so the truth with social media. There are over 60 different social media platforms that I can just think of from the top of my head because I've worked with over 60. But I can tell you, as far as what I post to, I post to five. I have come down and said, here are the five where I have the most amount of people that I'm getting engagement from. So I've chosen very specifically, here's my five. And these are just partly because of different people in different regions of the world. For example, Australia is not very big on Twitter. Here in the U.S., Twitter is much bigger. So again, I post there, but I understand that's not going to reach the people in Australia. So part of it's understanding your culture and your environment. Where's your mission focus? Who are you trying to reach? So that's where you choose your medium accordingly. The other thing is you say, okay, which ones are going to amplify the message? Which ones maybe have a bad reputation? You know, MySpace at one time was the first, you know, like Facebook type, you know, personal, but it became a horrible dating site with really inappropriate stuff for the most part. So almost everyone pulled out of MySpace. So again, what's the reputation of that particular medium? And what type of people are typically on there? So, because if it's not going to reach your intended audience, don't waste your time. The other thing is to come up with who is going to have access to your channels. How are you going to say, okay, so for example, I don't recommend you sharing a single password for everyone who's going to be posting your social media. I use something like Hootsuite, Sprout Social, you know, something like that where I can go and I can give someone access to that, but they don't actually have the logins to all of my Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, but they can go in, they can post on my behalf if I choose to. I've had people do that in the past. Here's the stuff I want you to go post, go take care of it. So, but they don't have the actual logins. It controls who has access to the accounts themselves. That's especially good because then you change password one place and if someone had to leave the business or ministry, they've got lost access to everything. So that is another thing is controlling who has access. And then part of it is also choosing understanding times. For example, most people will read a social media post if it's five minutes before or five minutes after the hour. 
because what happens times people get done with meetings early or they just ran a little bit late and they got a couple minutes before they start their next meeting. A good time to do it. Uh, typically between wherever your time region is, 10 o'clock in the morning till about 3 in the afternoon are really good times for most social media. There's a lot of engagement in those times. So especially over the lunch time, depending upon, again, what country you're in, they take lunch at different times. So, you know, right before the lunchtime is a great time to post. First thing in the morning sometimes, you know. So these are part of the things understanding culturally when are people looking online. So understanding that, also making sure that you're not linking to other posts that you're not sure about. If you, this sounded really great, oh, this is too good to be true. I got to post this out to everybody. If it's too good to be true, then don't post. <laughs> it's too good. So be very careful about what you repost of other people's content. Because by doing that, you're actually endorsing them and endorsing the product, which then can have good or bad implications for your mission or your ministry. So these are just some of the areas that I would be very cautious of. Um, I would also, if you get linked and you see a tiny URL where it's a really shortened URL, like tinyurl.com slash 1234. I use something called virustotal.com. You can go to their website and we can provide the link, but they actually have a link where you can put a URL in there. So if you're not sure if that's going to take you to a sketchy site or someplace that may have ransomware or malicious software, you can put it into virustotal and see if it lets you know that there's malicious software. So that's something to always be careful of because you just don't know where you're being linked to. Make sure you keep private and work accounts separate and understand the differences between the two. Fantastic. Look, um, I, I guess what you just did for us, you also summarized uh, some of the things we've talked about throughout um, this conversation to help our audience of Adventist missionaries uh, approach social media in a wise way so that they can be servants and ministers in their organizations in the local communities that they serve bring a blessing to people project that christian character in the adventist message and pursue certain organizational goals and that's what we want to use social media for in a safe appropriate manner um thank you very much ernest uh, my last question is i already gave kind of a, a little bit of a forward outlook towards our next episode do you want to share just a little more so that we can whet uh people's appetites for our third episode um, in this series sure when we're going to be looking at young people we're going to focus on a couple areas in particular one, we're going to focus on the actual extreme exponential addictive nature of mobile and social media on young people. It, it actually has all the same impacts as cocaine or heroin to young people. And they're finding it also has the first year that mobile devices came out. Just to give you an example, um, teen suicide went up by 33 percent um, and due to loneliness, because it actually s s separated them more from their peers, even though they're texting in the same room. So we're seeing some trends. They've also noticed a dip in IQ overall. So there are multiple physical, psychological impacts. Again, my children have technology. It is monitored. It is metered. It is managed. But it has good use, but it also has some serious considerations. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about. How do we do this? And then specifically as missionaries, if you're in a foreign country, how can your information be tracked and located so your children might possibly be abducted? That's very low likelihood. 
Now, depending upon the region of the world, it could be higher. But we're going to give some strategies on how to keep them safe when you're in a more hostile region as well. I am looking forward to this. I have, uh, like I shared, I have uh, an early teen and a late teen. And uh, we have just so much fun managing this part of our lives and, uh, and lots to share. Thank you, Ernest. Thank you for uh, what we did today, for what you have shared with us today. Uh, we will see you next time. Special thanks to our guest today. We are looking forward to one more episode in this series. That episode is coming out this fall. And like you probably heard now in the interview, it will all be about keeping our children safe in the digital world. Please don't forget to check out the show notes for several links to additional resources suggested to our listeners by Ernest Stutz. And of course, like I mentioned in the beginning, let me say it again. We will be back with new episodes on August 26. And now, on behalf of Institute of World Mission and Missionary Care teams, we wish you blessed weeks ahead. We'll see you again in no time. <music>